Don't you love long, long pauses? Got to get everything straight up here in this technical age. Got to spread everything out. It's good to be here. People often ask how many grandchildren I have, and I don't have any physical grandchildren, but I have over 100 some odd imaginary grandchildren, and they're all here tonight. We have some from Chevel, and I'm glad you're here. Some from over Dixon Springs, Murfreesboro, I'm glad you're here. And others who, are, who have chosen to visit us, I'm glad you're here. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a subject that is important to a certain group of people, and that's the older people, people my age and a little older. But young people don't fall asleep because you might pop up somewhere in there. We're going to be talking tonight about ta -da. can somebody help me out here I'm not very technically inclined thank you Bill Bill did a good favor for me this morning by warning you all. I told him to warn everybody that I was going to be doing the preaching tonight, and you showed up uh, despite that, and so you are an inspiration to me. I, I'm not belittling older people by any stretch of the imagination tonight. I'm just going to caution us that there are certain temptations and challenges that we will all face as we grow older in these bodies that we've been given. So we look at the challenges by turning to John 10 and verse 10, the latter part of that, where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. What that says is that life is a dynamic that is a journey. And that journey is complete when the brain and the, body, and the mind and body stop working. But until then, the challenges of life and the task of life uh, goes on. And as long as we have a grip on things, we are part of this world and the things that are thrown at it. <coughs> but some, and you'll excuse my allergy uh, cough tonight, I pray. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 16 and verse 18, Paul says, Therefore we don't lose heart, but though the outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that's far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we have to keep on going. Regardless of what age the Lord allows us to live, we must continue this part of decaying so that we may inherit the uh, incorruptible. We need to continue with our eyes on the invisible 
even as sometimes those things that are visible tend to distract us. Many may have thought I would turn to Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, and look at that which Solomon says about growing old, but that's talking about physically growing old. He talks about the teeth going away and, and our backs becoming weak and all the things uh, that we suddenly complain about that we didn't before. And so <clears throat> rather than giving up and becoming dormant as life increases, so does our prayer work, so does our church work, so does our benevolence, our study. It needs to become more intense rather than less. Because at our age, we know with far greater certainty and far greater clarity how much we are dependent on God and Christ for everything that we have. <coughs> in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, in verse 7, Paul says, For who considers you superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as, you, as if you didn't receive it? Everything that we have, spiritual and physical, <coughs> we have been given because we are dependent on God for it. We didn't stop growing because we grew older. We start dying spiritually, though, if we do that. If we simply become dormant. If we become older Christians occupying a pew because we don't think we have any value, because we can't do what we used to do, because we can't learn new tricks, so to speak, we begin to, just like the plant that's never watered, that's never put through its paces of collecting chlorophyll and other things that it must do in order to live, and we die on the vine. So I want to mention tonight four things that will help us as older Christians to continue in the work. One of the problems that, <coughs> that we have is that we cease to think and value our importance and usefulness in God's kingdom. We may not be able to, to get out and do what we used to do. We may not be able to uh, have the energy some days to do what we'd like to do. And we may just not say we just don't feel like it. Well, I look back at what my mother used to tell me sometimes when I'd say I don't feel like going to school or I don't feel like going to work or I don't feel like doing that. She would often say, well, you know, I do a lot of things I don't feel like doing. Maybe you've heard that too. But every one of us is important. Even the youngest and the oldest is important to the work of this congregation. Shane Gillespie, another one of my imagined grandchildren who I'd love to take home with me sometimes. I told, she, I told uh, Caleb, he did a great job a couple of weeks ago talking about the abilities that we are all given. We're not given the same abilities. Some can do this better than others. Some, some can lead singing. We got some young men. Michael did a great job tonight. But others who lead singing, who pray prayers. We have those who send cards and things. And I also told Caleb that if we weren't careful, somebody's going to come in here one night and take him away to preach for them. But we're blessed with young people. 
we're blessed with older people <coughs> who see what needs to be done and <coughs> they do it. <coughs> Pardon me. So there's no reason that we should feel that we are of no use, that we are of no value. I want you to consider these following verses, and, and I'll read them to you, or you may follow along. But in Psalm 71 and verse 18, the psalmist says, And even when I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. And again, in Proverbs 20, verse 29, the glory of young, men, of young men is their strength, and the honor of old men is their gray hair. Proverbs 16 and verse 31. A gray head is a crown of glory. It's found in the way of righteousness. Job 12, verses 12 through 13. Wisdom is with the aged, and with long life comes understanding. Wisdom and might are with him. Advice and understanding belong to him. And finally, Leviticus 19 and verse 32. You shall stand up in the presence of the gray-headed and honor elders, and you shall fear, the, fear your God. I am the Lord. Do these verses sound like old people are useless? Does it sound like there's no value to the old, those who have wisdom, those who have understanding, those who have advice. These verses speak of the value of older Christians. It's a serious loss, I think, when we lose the power and the weight of our elderly uh, who just simply uh, stop doing what uh, they're doing because they have this idea uh, that nobody cares about them anymore and, and, and uh, there's nothing to do and uh, the young people are just, they're doing very well, and why should I get involved? But the last of our lives is valuable, too. And it's in that time that we have to learn, and I, I stole a little bit of this from, from Caleb, I must say. There's no retirement from serving Christ. We don't get a retirement. There's no furlough from God's army. There's no leave from our post to take a permanent vacation on the lake or get in an RV and go someplace for long periods of time or even the rest of our lives and <coughs> buy a timeshare and just say, I've done my best for God. I'm in my twilight years, my golden years, my sunshine years, whatever years you want to call them, and take a permanent vacation to do what I want to do. That's just not going to work. While we have life, while we have mind, we must be busy. That's not the picture of retirement that God has in the scripture for us. The second thing that can cause us problems is that we can become the critics of the church and we can turn sour. I've always been wary of grumpy old men. When I was young, I would often say, I hope I don't become like that. I hope I don't become a grumpy old man. Some of you are looking and saying, well, didn't you turn out that way? Well, I hope not. We like to look back 
We like to look back at our past. We like to look back and see all the things that we once did and the way the church was. And we talk about the old days of, of uh, the church doing this and the church doing that. And these are the things we used to do. Uh, but we can't look back. Because when we look back, we're just like those who can't face the now. And that's where we're living. We are, uh, it's good to look back at the past and see how we've grown, of course, but not to live in the past because we see things only as they looked at that time. We don't see the bad things. And when we do that, our attitudes <coughs> can sometimes sour us on the church. They can sour us on our brethren. Things have changed in 50 years, you may say. Things have changed in 70 years. And we don't see the opportunities and we don't see uh, the good things that are happening in the Lord's work today. And we don't want to be involved. We, we look at with jaundice our eyes at our young people. Sometimes we look at the young people these days. Now that we're older, we'll come grumpy old men, and those kids don't know what's going on, and they have no idea what I've been through, and they have no idea what they're doing up there. And we turn them away. We need to engage young people. We need to talk to them and treat them as they should be treated. Those who are growing up in the Lord. I try to engage my grandchildren. I get videos of them playing soccer, hitting home runs, singing, drawing. I get, I get a lot of pictures they send me of drawing. I see things they do at work. We need to engage them. When I was growing up, older people had kind of a, a mystic thing about them. You were kind of afraid of them because they didn't talk to you when you were little. And my mom would always say, did you talk to them? Did you say hi to them? That's why they didn't say hi to you, maybe. But we need to be the initiators to young people. They don't need to be afraid of us. They don't need to stand back and wonder what to say. They need, we need to be approachable. We need to understand that young people are the lifeblood of this congregation, and they need us. We are invaluable to them. <coughs> Sometimes we talk about all the bad things that young people do these days, and there's maybe some need for concern for all the things that are going on in this world and how our young people can be affected by them. But we also need to notice the good things. When someone gets up and preaches a good lesson who's young, we ought to send them a note and say, you did a good job. That's all you have to say. I liked your message. I liked your way you lead singing. I loved your prayer, and this is what I liked about it. We ought to encourage them. We ought to say good things about them because one day we may have to say something that's in the manner of correcting them. And they don't need to see us just in the bad times. They need to see us in the good times. They need to see a balance in us. They need to see love in us. And so engage the young people. 
The problem is <coughs> that if we only see the bad, then we become part of the problem ourselves. When we hear young people say they're having a problem, or we know that they're having a problem, what ought to be the first thing that we say? What can I do to help? How can I be of assistance to you? How can I pray with you or do whatever needs to be done? But we look back sometimes and we kind of point fingers and we idealize our own spiritual youth and we say, well, you know, when I was young, I wasn't like that. When I was a young man, I was far more knowledgeable than they are. How could they do that? And you see, when we idealize our own youth, we forget, just as with the good old days, we didn't have it all together either. I didn't. And they need time to grow. They need time to learn, just like we needed time to grow. And we needed time to learn. And we ought to be able and willing and quick to help them to do that. Well, you say, they're not going to listen to me. Yes, they will. <coughs> if you engage them, if you get to know <coughs> your grand, imaginary grandchildren, and you get to know what they like and what makes them laugh and what makes them uh, happy, what they enjoy doing, and you are able to have conversations with them, they'll talk with you. You'll come to know them, and they'll come to know you as someone they can depend on, someone they can trust, someone in whom they can lean on in times when it may not be as comfortable to talk to their parents about something as it is talking to you. And we need to be that lifeline that they have. It's not true in every, every uh, instance. There's some people who are naturally shy, introverted, and, and it's not going to work on everyone. But the, the more you engage young people, the more uh, that we are going to get together and have this bond of love. When you see somebody doing good, regardless of how old he is or she is, praise them. Send those notes. Pat them on the back. The third thing we need to understand is that we should not live in the past that we talked about. Living in our past, judging the now based on what we understand uh, happened to us when we were young. In Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter in verse 10, <coughs> Solomon says, Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? Did you ever say that? Well, I can't today be like when I was growing up. Boy, this country's in a terrible mess. Boy, this church is in a terrible mess. But he says we shouldn't ask that because it's not from wisdom that you ask about this. I was reading an article on people who <clears throat> go back to the old days and they want to live in the old days. But the mind does a, a strange thing. It eliminates all the bad things that happened all those years ago, and we only see the good things. We don't think about the struggles that we had or the temptations that we had or the challenges we had as we grew up. 
And so we think about the good old days, but we shouldn't. We should think about the now, because today is now. The good old days have nothing to do with what's happening to us now, with the challenges and the temptations that we have now. Psalms 118 and verse 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Does this not include old age? Is this just for Sunday mornings when we get up and welcome everyone? Or Sunday evening, this is the day that the Lord makes. Let us be glad because we're here worshiping the Lord. Shouldn't we do that every day? Shouldn't we rejoice because the Lord has given us blessings of life and health and mental capacity? Do you ever thank God for mental capacity? He's going to give us everything that we want or everything that we need, not everything that we want. And so we are blessed and we should rejoice in these days. We should rejoice because of the opportunities that are available to us. We should be rejoicing because of this communication that God has installed in our bodies to enable us to teach others about Jesus, to be actively engaged in the work, to go to and from with opportunities to be lights. And so in our old age, there's much to do. Some of you on Facebook know that I like to say this about my wife. It's a poem that I love. I love the Brownings and their poems, Robert Browning and his wife Elizabeth, but I often put on there, come grow old with me. The best is yet to come. The last of life for which the first was made. And that's addressed to older people. But younger people take note of what's written in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth before the evil days come and uh, the years approach when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Young people need to build an anchor. Young people need to be taught. And as, as Caleb mentioned, I believe it was, or maybe it was uh, Leland, that's why I have all these notes up here. My brain doesn't always remember what I'm supposed to remember. But somebody said it in the past couple of weeks. See, I've done forgot what I was going to say. Well, anyway, we'll go on. Uh, we're going to get old. If God lets you, we're going to get old. And so we don't need to live in the past. Let's live for today and enjoy the dynamics of today. In Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, here Paul gives a, uh, a warning, but it's also an encouragement to those who are growing old as Christians, those who are growing older in the faith. And he's telling us not to give up. In fact, he's telling us to increase the things that we're doing. He says... 
Not that I've already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of that for which I was ever even taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to that which lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Jesus Christ. All of those things that we did in the past, all of the things that keep nagging at us and wearing us down, they're in the past. We need to press on. Some people talk about being on their last lap in the race, and we look at uh, horse races sometimes, or we look at other races. When I was in the military, <coughs> the old first sergeant, when I first went in, the old first sergeant would stand there when you'd uh, do your running in the morning, and you run around the track, and you run four laps around that track, it's a mile. And you run eight, that's two. But when you got to that last lap around the track, that old first sergeant would be yelling and screaming and some of the other NCOs would be out and they'd run behind you yelling and screaming to push, 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 run as fast as you can. You paced yourself for the first half, now you're on the home stretch, leave it all on the track. And that's what Paul is saying here. I think he's saying run flat out. This describe, and this is written by Paul, who's about 60 years old. He's worn down, he's in prison, but he's still working. He's still preaching. He's still encouraging. He's in the now. He's not in a good place, but he's telling people to press on. Give it all you've got. Give it all you can. And all of us who are my age and above, uh, we're coming to that home stretch, and we're in that home stretch. And we need to be, just like that old first sergeant, we need to be buffeting our body, and like the horses in a horse race, whipping it and urging us on to finish the course victoriously. Paul bore the marks of his work. At age 60, he had physical difficulties too. He couldn't see very well. He bore the marks of beatings and scourges, shipwrecks, all sorts of things in the name of Christ. And he still was willing to take more. And he knew that in prison he probably would even get to give his life. But it was his dedication and his devotion to Christ that pushed him on even when he was old. Sixty in those days was a pretty advanced age. Not many people lived to be much older than that. And we need older persons in our church who are not necessarily meeting the qualifications of deacons or elders or preachers, or all the other things that Caleb reminded us of in Ephesians, that we could be, 
We need them because of their experience. We need them because of their weight and their knowledge. They're like the ballast in a sail ship, sailing ship. Those ships need weight at the center and to balance it and to keep it from flipping over when the wind blows <coughs> hard. And we have a lot of older people here. I think of people in my life, I automatically go to Sister Jane Whitley. And James can tell you much about her. But even when she was 96, when she was 96 and she's about this tall, she's 104 now. But when she was 96, she was the first one at the building every morning. She had cleaned and prepared the Lord's Supper. She cleaned and straightened up the uh, auditorium there. She got everything ready for service. She sat in class and asked some of the best questions. And by, by that, I mean questions that would make you think and questions that were important. And she still does that. I think of our own Ava Grimmett. You know, we, she had a birthday in 99. How many people do you know that reached 99? She still, she still corresponds on Facebook. She still makes comments. She still sends pictures to encourage. She sent me a nice letter the other day. She, we still write. And I tell you, if you've never gotten a letter from Kathleen Rogel, you have missed something indeed. She is the last of the classic letter writers. And it's a joy to receive her writings. And we have others who work behind the scenes. And we don't hear about them because they work quietly. And they send cards. And they contribute money. And they make phone calls. And whatever needs to be done, they do. And it's a joy to sit in our group classes and see some of those older women, at least in our group, to be among the first to raise their hands and say, here am I. I'll do whatever needs to be done. We need to be thankful for them because they're the weight that holds this sailing ship congregation aloft. They're the ones who know where the potholes and the ditches are. They're the ones who know what we should do when things come our way that portend things that are not good. And they give good advice. That's not belittling the elders. We have good elders here as well. And they are aged too. But we need people also to give balance to them who are older and have this knowledge and experience that we talked about. And so, finally, don't let depression get you. I'm not talking about clinical depression. That is something that is treated by a doctor and sometimes medicine helps, sometimes therapy and other things help, but I'm talking about just every day I'm so depressed, I can't get going, I can't get out of bed, and I'm not going to do anything. It's easy to get that way. When you're older, it's more easy to get depressed because we look at the life we live and we make it an excuse to not do anything. 
Depression causes us to withdraw within ourselves. Regular depression. We want to go into a dark room like I used to do with my migraines. We want to go into a dark room. We want to shut all the drapes. We want to close all the doors. We want to turn off all the lights. We want to turn off the telephone. We want to put everything on mute. We want to climb in the bed and pull the covers over our head, close our eyes, and hope everything's going to be all right when we, when we get up. That's not what we should do. That's what God, not what God expects of us. But, you know, Brian asked a question this morning about certain things happen to Christians. Well, does depression ever happen to Christians? Older Christians? Absolutely. It does. And if you don't think so, we're going to talk about three very quick examples of biblical people who were depressed. Job 3 Verse 11 through 13, Job says, Why did I not die at birth? Come out of the womb and pass away. Why were the knees there in front of me? And why the breasts that I would nurse? For now I would have lain down. And I would have been quiet. And I would have slept then. I would have been at rest. That's depression. You don't have to raise your hands, but have you ever felt like God, you wanted God just to take you? Some have. That's depression. But Job didn't let it get him down. We read the rest of that wonderful book, and Job learned to trust God, learned to know God more. And he continued his life. He recovered his life. He didn't stay in depression. The second one is in 1 Kings 19, and we're just going to kind of go over some things. Look at Elijah. Elijah was an old man, old man and when he uh, defeated the prophets of Baal, and when uh, the victory at Mount Carmel took place, he ran. He ran ahead of the king's chariot, it says, and he ran all the way down the valley. How many of you old people still run? I don't. I ride a bicycle sometimes, stationary bicycle. But Joe Brand, he was so excited. He was so happy. He ran ahead of the king's chariot and all the way down the valley. Then when he heard that the queen, Jezebel, was going to kill him, and she said she wasn't going to die until she did, well, he ran some more. And he finally stops under a tree. And an angel comes and says, Job, or Elijah, you need to eat something. You need to eat something and get up because you've got a journey to go on. And so he ate. And he ran all the way down to Mount Horeb. And he found himself a cave. And he hid himself there so that no one could find him. And we know in reading the rest of that story that God appeared to him in this terrible windstorm, powerful windstorm. He appeared to him in an earthquake. He appeared to him in this flaming fire. 
And finally, when Elijah went to the door of, the, of his cave, he heard this little small voice. And the voice said, Job, what in the world are you doing here? And Elijah said, well, they've broken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They're killing your prophets, and I'm the last one. Here I am. I'm staying in here where it's nice and safe. Elijah had depression, but he didn't stay that way. But he did ask God to take his life, and that can happen to God's people. That can happen to, to good people who suddenly things that challenge us day by day, things that test our faith day by day, just gnaw and gnaw and gnaw away until we'll go into our dark room and cover our heads and say, that's it. I'm done. We can't do that. We can't do that. Our third example is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet of old, of course, and he was given a terrible message to give to the children of Israel. The message was this, if you want to live and you want to survive, give up this war with Nebuchadnezzar. Stop it. How do you think that went over with the nation? It didn't go over at all. His family hated him. People in his neighborhood hated him. The nation saw him as an outcast and something that tarnished their reputation. He was depressed. And he wished he'd never been born. But look what happened in Lamentations, the, th the third chapter in verse 22, in verse 23. Here's Jeremiah later. The Lord's acts of mercy indeed do not end, for his compassions do not fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who await him, to the person who seeks him. The same person who wanted to die now finds that he is dependent on God every morning we don't need to yield to depression we don't need to let it linger it's the worst thing that we can do we need to understand that at our age we can do great things we don't have to do a lot of things if we want to look back like our grandfathers and great-grandfathers we don't have to go to the well or go down to the spring and get water and bring it back up to the house to, and then warm it up and heat it to have a bath or to cook or whatever we don't have to go and chop wood in order to keep warm. We don't have to chop wood to cook with. We don't have to go hitch up the mules to the wagon to go to town. My great-grandfather who lived up between uh, Woodbury and Auburn Town did that every six months. That's when he, went, he and great-grandma went to town. And I got to go with them sometime. We don't have to do that. We have cars. We have electronic devices that we can email people. 
that we can send them things of encouragement that we can study on. There are sites that you can study scripture from and ask questions. I have one. And others have sites that teach the word. We need to see what we have available today and use them properly. Use them to reach many, many people. And as we come to the end of our lesson in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through uh, 2, this is a wonderfully encouraging passage, I've always thought. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves. Let's get rid of these things. What? Every obstacle of the sin which so easily entangles us? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. We need to keep our eyes on the invisible. That was the other thing the old first sergeant would say. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Keep your eyes on where you're going straight ahead because when you look back, you're going to see people that are getting sick, people that are weak and begin to slow down and fall over to the side, and your mind's going to say, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. And that old first sergeant was right because I, can't, I fell victim to that sometimes. But we need to run straight ahead, and we need to run fast, and at our age, we need to whip that horse so that we make the finish line as we should have. We're going to get old, but it's not right for us to go on vacations, permanent vacations. It's all right for us to go on vacations. I'm going to say that because I'll get in trouble after I get down. Uh, it's all right to go. Feel free to take a vacation. But if you're going to take a permanent vacation from the Lord and just say, I've done all the work I'm going to do, that's not going to get it. That's not going to work. When we became a Christian, we said we're going to give our whole life to God. We're going to put on Christ when we come up out of the waters of baptism. And that's going to be our whole life. We're not going to take it off when it gets uncomfortable. We're not going to take him off when it may be embarrassing. We're not going to take him off when life gets too heavy. We're going to keep him on. The second thing is every one of us, young and old, but especially us old, you each are valuable. You each are useful and necessary to the growth and the victory of this congregation. And I like this third one. At our age, we're closer to heaven. We're closer to the promises. We're closer to the things that have been promised unto us than we've ever been before. We're that far away. And we can't lose it now. Wouldn't that be a shame? Wouldn't that be a shame? And so we can't let it happen. Don't give up. You may be, uh, be here tonight and you may not have gotten into the race yet. You don't know exactly what we're talking about. But we'd love to have you join us at whatever age you are, as long as it's an age of accountability where you understand you've heard the word and you believe. 
and you're ready to repent of your sins and confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and then be baptized in the waters of baptism and begin living your life faithful unto the end. Or you may be one who has not being, been doing as much as you can. Those people that Caleb talked about who are busy doing the things that they can do, they can't do those things that they can do and the things that you can do, but you're not. They can't do it all. They need you. And you may say, well, I'm going to come forward and I'm going to say to my father, I'm changing my attitude. I'm sorry for it. And I'm going to declare that whatever I can do, I'm going to do it. Whatever I need to make up that I've been lax on, I'm going to increase. And I'm going to endear my brethren. And I'm going to esteem them more highly than myself. And we'll pray for you. There have been baptisms recently and those who've come forward. If you'll ask those people, they'll tell you what a joy it is. Whatever the case may be, we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement to encourage you to set things right today. Live in the now. What do I need to do? We're ready to stand here and help whatever it is while we stand and while we sing. <laughs>